We've been working our way through the books of First uh, and Second Samuel in the Old Testament. Uh, and there we have seen that God has selected a king for His people. A man that He has chosen. At first, the people selected their own king, one that they wanted like the nations. And what Samuel communicated to them that God said through him was that that was the people being disloyal to God, their true king. So God appointed David in the place of Saul, a man that He chose Himself for His people. But what we've seen is that as God led David and used him, he, he overcame many of the, the outside opposition that, that existed for the people and for the kingdom. What we've seen over the past uh, few weeks is that David himself was a source of a lot that is jeopardizing the kingdom. Uh, that this, there's opposition that will arise from inside, from the very throne itself. What we'll see this week is that this, this question of, uh, of loyalty to God, loyalty to His King, is something that every citizen of the kingdom must consider. Are we going to be on guard against the temptation to be disloyal to our God and to His anointed? Or will we pursue loyalty to our God and to the King that He has given us? If you would, look with me in chapter 15 of the book of Second Samuel. We're going to look at the whole chapter together this morning. Remember where we left off last time was uh, David has just uh, pardoned Absalom. His son has brought Absalom back into uh, Jerusalem. And we're picking up after all of the conflict and controversy that has happened over the past uh, couple of chapters. Here we pick up in verse 1 of chapter 15. After this, Absalom got himself a chariot and horses and 50 men to run before him. And Absalom used to rise early and stand beside the way of the gate. And when any man had a dispute to come before the king for judgment, Absalom would call to him and say, From what city are you? And when he said, You're servants of such and such a tribe in Israel. Absalom would say to him, See, your claims are good and right, but there's no man designated by the king to hear you. Then Absalom would say, Oh, that I were judge in the land. Then every man with a dispute or case might come to me, and I would give him justice. And whenever a man came near to pay homage to him, he would put out his hand and take hold of him and kiss him. Thus Absalom did to all of Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. At the end of four years, Absalom said to the king, Please let me go and pay my vow, which I have vowed to Yahweh in Hebron. Your servant vowed a vow while I lived in Geshur and Aram, saying, If Yahweh will indeed bring me back to Jerusalem, then I will offer worship to Yahweh. The king said to him, Go in peace. So he rose and went to Hebron. 
But Absalom sent secret messengers throughout all the tribes of Israel saying, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then say, Absalom is king at Hebron. With Absalom went 200 men from Jerusalem who were invited guests, and they went in their innocence and knew nothing. And while Absalom was offering the sacrifices, he sent for Ahithophel, the Gilanite, David's counselor from his city, uh, Gilo. And the conspiracy grew strong, and the people with Absalom kept increasing. And a messenger came to David, saying, The hearts of the men of Israel have gone after Absalom. Then David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, or else there will be no escape for us from Absalom. Go quickly, lest he overtake us uh, quickly, and bring down ruin on us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servants said to the king, Behold, your servants are ready to do whatever my lord the king decides. So the king went out and all his household after him, and the king left ten concubines to keep the house. And the king went out and all the people after him, and they halted at the last house. And all his servants passed by him, and all the Cherethites and all the Pelethites and all the six hundred Gittites who had followed him from Gath passed on before the king. Then the king said to Ittai the Gittite, Why do you also go with us? Go back and stay with the king, for you are a foreigner and also an exile from your home. You came only yesterday, and shall I today make you wander about with us since I do not know, I, since I go, I know not where? Go back and take your brothers with you, and may Yahweh show steadfast love and faithfulness to you. But Ittai answered the king, as Yahweh lives, and as my lord the king lives, wherever my lord the king shall be, whether for death or for life, there also will your servant be. And David said to Ittai, go then, pass on. So Ittai the Gittite passed on with all his men and all the little ones who were with him. And all the land wept aloud as all the people passed by. And the king crossed the brook Kidron, and all the people passed on toward the wilderness. And Abiathar came up, and behold, Zadok came also with all the Levites bearing the Ark of the Covenant of God. And they set down the Ark of God until the people had all passed out of the city. Then the king said to Zadok, Carry the Ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the eyes of Yahweh, he will bring me back and let me see both it and his dwelling place. But if, as, but if he says, I have no pleasure in you, behold, here I am. Let him do to me what seems good to him. The king also said to Zadok the priest, Are you not a seer? Go back to the city in peace with your two sons, Amaz, uh, your son, and Jonathan, the son of Abiathar. See, I will wait at the fords of the wilderness until word comes from you to inform me. So Zadok and Abiathar carried the ark of God back to Jerusalem, and they remained there. But David went up the ascent of the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went, barefoot and with his head covered. And all the people who were with him covered their heads, and they went up weeping as they went. And it was told David, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Yahweh, please turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. While David was coming to the summit where God was worshipped, behold, Hushai the archite came out to meet him with his coat torn and dirt on his head. David said to him, If you go with me, you will be a burden to me, but... If you return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king, as I have been your father's servant in time past, so now I will be your servant, then you will defeat for me the counsel of Ahithophel. Are not Zadok and Abiathar the priest with you there? So whatever you hear from the king's house, tell it to Zadok and Abiathar the priest. Behold, their two sons are with them there, Amaaz 
uh, Zadok's son, and Jonathan, Abiathar's son. And by them you shall send to me everything you hear. So Hushai, David's friend, came into the city just as Absalom was entering Jerusalem. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that You have revealed Yourself to us in Your Word. We thank You that You continue to do that through Your Spirit as Your Word is read, as Your Word is preached. We pray this morning that You would guard our minds, guard our thoughts, guard our hearts, guard my mouth, that all that we encounter will be glorifying and pleasing to You. Teach us, we pray. Amen. So, what we want to look at in this passage, if you, if you notice, it's kind of the, the chapter is split up in, uh, really in, in, in half. Uh, the first half, we encounter a lot of disloyalty to God's king. And in the second half, we encounter a lot of those who are loyal to God's king. So, kids, if you want to keep a chart this morning, instead of counting words, how about if you do this? You write down examples you see in this passage or you hear me talk about that are examples of disloyalty on one side of your sheet. And on the other side, write down examples where you, of people or things that you see of people being loyal to God's king. Um, or you can draw a picture of, uh, of David and all the people who are following him out of the city. Either of those, and we'll, uh, we'll hang it up on our on our hooks over there. Um, but uh, for the rest of us, what we want to look at is, uh, first, how in this passage we see that God is calling us as people to guard against disloyalty. To guard against disloyalty. First, notice that if we are going to guard against disloyalty, then we need to be aware of false kings. You notice... That in the passage, how Absalom, when he sends all of these people and he's gathering folks in Hebron, this is the, the conspiracy that he's, that he's seeking to accomplish. As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then say, Absalom is king at Hebron. Absalom is proclaiming and announcing that he's king. Absalom is seeking, as it tells us in multiple places in 12, forming this conspiracy, and with Ahithophel and others, these conspirators who are seeking to do something that is unlawful and wrong among the kingdom of Israel. God is the one who establishes the king. God is the one who has set up and appointed David to be the king over his people. He is the true king. Yet here, Absalom is seeking to establish and set him up, himself up, as king. A false king among the people of Israel. You see, at, at this point, in this time, among the people of Israel, because of the way that God had established and set up His covenant with His people, to be loyal to God and His kingdom meant loyalty to the king He had set up. Because if you remember, the promise that he gave to David was that his unending, eternal king would come through David's line. 
So for those who are, who are hoping and resting and trusting and seeking to be loyal to God, they would follow the true king that God had appointed. David and his heirs. Remember, David's not the savior, but to be loyal to God at this point is to give your loyalty and your allegiance to the true king, which is David. Therefore, if we're going to guard against disloyalty to our God and disloyalty to his king, we must be on the lookout for false kings, for those who make these false claims. Notice here how the people were not careful. They were not on the lookout. They were not guarding themselves against disloyalty. Because look at the result of what happened due to what Absalom is proclaiming and what he's seeking to do. Look in verse 13. The hearts of the men of Israel have gone after Absalom. God had appointed a king. The people had already seen what happens when you go after a king that God didn't set up, that you chose. And yet here, they do it again. They give their hearts, their longings, their desires, their trust to a king that was not set up by their God. Remember, at that time, what the people were looking for and what they were hoping was a king that would provide deliverance, a king that would provide salvation, a king that would provide uh, security and safety. What about you? What about me? Do you, do you find yourself in the face of the reality and the truth that God has appointed one to save, deliver, secure His people eternally and forever? Jesus the true heir of David, who would fulfill all that David failed to do, who came to victoriously bring his people into salvation and to defeat all of our enemies. Sin, death, Satan. But do we not find ourselves still seeing your heart, my heart, longing for and going after false kings? False saviors, false deliverers. Examine your heart. Me, examine mine. How do we identify these false kings in our lives and in our hearts? It might not look like a guy on a chariot running down your street saying, Hey, follow me, I'm the king. Look at my long hair. That was from last week if you, weren't, uh, if you weren't here. But what about when you wake up in the morning? What consumes your thoughts? When you struggle to go to sleep at night, what is overwhelming you? If you were to answer the question, if, if this particular thing or person was taken out of my life, I would be completely undone. What's the source of your anxiety and your stress and your fear? 
If in the midst of those things we aren't looking and finding our comfort and our hope and our security and our rest in Jesus, and we don't guard against all of these other things, then just like the people of Israel, we will find our hearts going after false kings. And what that looks like is to be disloyal to our God. It's interesting as we see here that the hearts going after false kings flow out of not just the false king himself, but out of false teaching. That's the second thing that we see here. If we're going to guard against disloyalty, we need to be on the lookout and guard against these false kings, but also against false teaching. Notice what it it says in verse verse six. Thus Absalom did to all the uh, all of Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. That language, stealing the heart of someone, is used in other places in Scripture, and it always means to deceive. Here, Absalom, remember the, the things that he was communicating and he was speaking and what he was doing to the people of Israel. He was casting doubt on the goodness of their king, on his sufficiency, on his care for them. Remember? As people were coming to David for judgment, Absalom beat him out there and say, ah, too bad the king's not there to listen to you. If I were the king, I would do a much better job than he would. <laughs> now, the, the question as we, we look in here, remember just last week, although it was done in deceit, the, the woman from Tekoa that Joab sent to David, we didn't get a sense that she had to wait months and months to come into David's presence. She wanted to see David and she was able to come into his presence. The things that Absalom is saying and communicating don't really fit in with the experience of the people, yet they're buying into it anyway. They're listening to this false teaching that calls into question the trustworthiness of the one that God has placed on the throne and His sufficiency. This has always been a common tactic of ones who would seek to undo the kingdom of God. Remember back in the garden, God, the king and ruler over all things, because he made all things, called his subjects to trust and loyalty with him. And the false teaching that came out called into question the goodness of his laws, the goodness of his commands, and God's people gave their hearts to another and turned in disloyalty. As God's people, we need to be on guard, not just against false kings, but against false teaching. False teaching from our culture and our community around us. False teaching from within the church. False teaching that comes out of our own hearts and our minds. How often do you find yourself going in times and places and things that you don't understand what's going on? of why you're experiencing what you're experiencing, of why it seems like the questions that you're asking, God isn't giving you the answer quick enough. And your circumstances aren't changing. Does your mind and your heart begin to go to places where you're questioning and you're wondering, 
Does he love me? Does he care? Maybe if I turn and look somewhere else, I will get the relief I need immediately because I'm tired of waiting on him. Don't fall for it. If you doubt and you question and you wonder, the love, the care, the concern, the commitment, the faithfulness that your King, Jesus, has for you, look no further than the cross. He didn't even withheld Himself from you. Don't believe the lies. Your God loves you. He cares for you. And even if it doesn't look good, He only gives His children good things to direct and move us to rest and hope and cling and trust in Him. We must guard against disloyalty by being on lookout for these false kings, by being on the lookout and guarding against false teaching. And also, lastly, we see on this half of the chapter, being on the lookout for false professions. You notice what Absalom said down in verse 7 and following? Please let me go pay my vow, which I vowed to Yahweh in Hebron. For your servant vowed a vow while I lived at Geshur in Aram, and Aram, saying, If Yahweh will indeed bring me back to Jerusalem, then I will offer worship to Yahweh. And the king said to him, Go in peace. And so he arose and went to Hebron. But he sent out secret messengers through the tribe of Israel, saying, and this is when he announces that he is king. Notice, Absalom's been back from Geshur for a while. And he's yet to fulfill this vow, if he ever made it. See, vows, according to the Scriptures, were to be fulfilled immediately. Here, Absalom is communicating and he's professing with his mouth that I am a worshiper and I am a follower of Yahweh. But when you begin to look at his life, his loyalty to the God that he professes with his mouth that he follows is called into question. Because... What he speaks with his words and what he lives with his life is inconsistent. He professes to be a believer in the God of Israel. But his life says and calls that into question, and he's not. There's many of us who would profess to be a believer and a follower of King Jesus. Maybe you would say, I've been baptized. I'm a member of of a church. I don't worship and follow Hindu gods or worship in these other religions. we, We speak and say that we are worshipers of Jesus. But do we look at our hearts and our lives? Do our actions confirm what we say? Are we demonstrating that we're guarding against disloyalty by, by intentionally looking and making sure that, that, that what we profess with our mouths and what we live out with our, our lives before the watching world communicates that I have allegiance to one and only one. And that is King Jesus who died and who gave himself for me, who has declared me to be his righteous one, who's brought me into his family. You see, our loyalty is shown not just with what we say, 
but it must be demonstrated by how we live in our relationship with our God and with our King. Here, we've seen that we need to guard against disloyalty through identifying and guarding against false kings, false teaching, and false profession. But the other side of it is that we must, as God's people, pursue loyalty. Pursue loyalty. First way that we see this in this passage, I think, is pursuing loyalty despite the circumstances. Pursuing loyalty despite the circumstances. Notice the circumstances that we, we find our, our, ourselves in here at the beginning of the second half of the chapter. In verse 13. And a messenger came to David saying, The hearts of the men of Israel have gone after Absalom. Just before that, it tells us that this conspiracy grew strong and the people with Absalom kept increasing. The circumstances appear on the outside. It looks like the kingdom of God is faltering. It's struggling. It's not thriving. The kingdom of Absalom is the one that's growing. It's the one that is gathering all of the, the momentum and the followers. It looks good. It looks flashy. And the kingdom of God seems to be on a downturn. In fact, the king is fleeing due to the persecution that is coming. And in the midst of looking at those circumstances, it would be easy to say, you know what? Based on looking at it on the outside, who am I going to side with? Am I going to side with what looks like and appears to be thriving and flourishing and growing and abounding and multiplying? Or am I going to put my hope and my trust and give my loyalty to this kingdom that's being persecuted, that's struggling, that's faltering, that's under attack? What? What do we see the people do in the second half of the passage? Notice, we encounter people and groups and individuals, one after another, who despite the circumstances, give their loyalty to God's anointed one. Notice there in verse uh, verse 14. Uh, David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, Arise, let us flee, or else there will be no escape for us from Absalom. Go quickly, lest he overtake us and bring us ruin on us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. And notice what they say. The king's servants said to the king, Behold, your servants are ready to do whatever my lord the king decides. So the king went out and all his household after him. Then again, later in verse 18, his servants are passing by. Notice who's with him. The Cherethites, the Pelethites, and the 600 Gittites. Do you know who these people are? They're not Israelites. These are Phoenicians and Philistines. The Gittites come from the hometown of Goliath, of Gath. And they're looking at this one who once was so victorious and now he's struggling. And they say, I have left my family. I have left my land. I have left my God. And I'm trusting in him and his king and we will follow him. And they go. 
continues on down in verse 24. Abiathar comes up, and behold, Zadok came also with the Levites bearing the Ark of the Covenant of God, and they set the Ark uh, of God down until all the people had passed. They too come out, demonstrating and showing their loyalty to hope and rest and trust in the promised covenant king of Israel, despite what the circumstances look like. And then again, we encounter in verse 32, while David was coming up to the summit where God was worshipped, behold, Hushai the archite came out to him. In all of these instances, you see people giving their loyalty to David. But notice this, why are the circumstances like this? It's because of David's sin. The circumstances that we're facing here are because of his sin. And you see what the people are doing? Despite the sins that are happening and the unfaithfulness of the people of God and even the king of God's people, we are still committed to giving our loyalty to our God. Because loyalty to God is demonstrated through hoping and following and trusting in His King. If this group of people can give their loyalty to a sinner, King David, because he was the anointed and chosen king of God's people, then how much more should we as God's people be willing to give our loyalty to our king who never sinned, who is completely perfect, who is always faithful, Resting and hoping and clinging and trusting in Him, despite what the circumstances may be, despite what it looks like on the outside. There's many people now who are frustrated, and rightly so, over the history of the church with the unfaithfulness of God's people. We struggle, we sin, we do not represent our God well. And that's always been the case. From Adam and Eve, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, the chosen king here, the church in Acts, and you and me. But the Scriptures call us in the face of seeing sin in the midst of the people of God. Do not let that be a reason that you abandon God and His King. Be loyal to King Jesus and place your hope and your confidence in Him and pursue His kingdom in the midst of His people. Do not flee. Do not abandon. Will that be hard? Yes. But your God is faithful and He is good and King Jesus rules and reigns on the throne. We pursue loyalty despite the circumstances. We just pursue loyalty regardless of the cost. Notice... Notice what Ittai says. David tells him, you've only been here with me for not that very long. Why don't you go and, and, and serve Absalom? But in verse 21, notice what Ittai says. As Yahweh lives and as my Lord the King lives, wherever my Lord the King shall be, whether for death or for life, there also will your servant be. Ittai is ready to count the cost. He is willing to give his loyalty to God's chosen king, no matter what it means. 
whether it means life for him or whether it means death. But notice how far Ittai is willing for the cost to go. He says, David says to Ittai, go then, pass on. So Ittai the Gittite passed on with all his men and all the little ones who were with him. Ittai understands as he recognizes the covenant promises of God and of his king that the best place for him and his family and his children and the families of his men and their children is to be is to be with God and his king even if it means death because suffering with God and his anointed one and resting and relying on him is the best place that I can be if that's where he's called me And the thing that we see is that the God who at times calls us to suffer was willing to suffer Himself on our behalf. Jesus, who, who counted the cost and said, I'm willing to expend all of it in order to redeem and save and ransom my people. If our King would do that, Does that not move us to give Him our loyalty for His grace and His mercy to us? Lastly, pursuing loyalty despite the circumstances, despite the cost, and despite the calling. You know, to some of the people, David calls to come out with him. Says that they were going to the wilderness in verse 23. For Ittai early on, he's like, I don't know where we're going to go. Like Ittai recognizes, we may die if we do this. But for others, David, as they come and express their loyalty to him, he sends them back. He sends them back to Jerusalem. In some ways on the outside, it looks like that's a much easier calling. He does that for Zadok, Abiathar, their sons. He does that for Hushai. Some of us, as we look at the places that King Jesus has called us to be, and we look at the lives of other people, and we're wondering, why am I suffering so much? And yet their life seems to be so easy. Why have you called me here, Jesus? I would much rather be back in Jerusalem, not wandering around in the wilderness, not endangering the lives of my wife and my kids. Do you love them more? Do you care more about Hushai, your friend, and Abiathar and Zadok and their children? Again, don't fall in to the false teaching. Remember, loyalty comes as we follow our King. And what have we seen is true of Jesus? That He loves us. It's it's interesting, the details that we see here. In verse 23, it tells us the path that David goes on when he's rejected and he flees Jerusalem. In verse 23, it says that the king crossed the brook Kidron toward the wilderness. And then it tells us in verse 30, David went up the ascent of the Mount of Olives. 
God's anointed one, when he's rejected by his people, begins to escape. Escape and flee for the sake of the kingdom and his people. Over the brook Kidron, up to the Mount of Olives, and away. Many years later, the heir of David, Jesus of Nazareth, will be also rejected. The people will say, we do not want you to be king over us. And Jesus as well will cross over the brook Kidron. You can read it in the gospel accounts. And he will go up onto the Mount of Olives. But unlike David, who in order for the kingdom to be preserved must flee and go out into the wilderness, our king on the Mount of Olives, prays to his Father and recognizes that what is necessary for the people to be saved, what is necessary for the kingdom to come in its fullness, is for me to go back into Jerusalem to suffer and die. At David's time, provision of the kingdom meant the, 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 the continued living and the salvation of the king. What it meant for us when Jesus was here is our salvation only came at the cost of his life and his death. And that is what your king has done for you. If we have a king greater than David who has secured our deliverance and our redemption, should we not long to be loyal despite the circumstances, despite the cost, despite the calling? You may be here wondering, but I've messed up. I'm not worthy of this calling. I'm not worthy of this king. I'm more disloyal than I am loyal. Here's the good news of the gospel. When your king went to suffer and die for you, he knew of your disloyalty. He knew of your sin. He knew of your struggles. And that's exactly why he went back into Jerusalem. To die and redeem and save and deliver sinners like you and like me. And what did he say to Judith and the rest of us this morning? When you look and trust in me, my blood washes you clean. May we be loyal to this King. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you that the gospel is true. We pray that you would, through the, the, the beauty of the gospel proclaimed of what Jesus has done for us, that you would move our hearts more and more away from disloyalty and to loyalty, that we would hope and rest in Jesus only and always. In his name we pray. Amen.